Hello, podcast friends and family, and welcome back to another episode of the Back Pain Podcast. Today, it's myself, Rob Bevan, and we're discussing what everyone needs to know about back pain part three. If you've missed the first two parts of the series, go back and have a look. They are equally fantastic. Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain-free. So, if you're driving to work, tidy in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. Now, there are many factors that patients often overlook when thinking about their recovery from back pain or any injury. And there are factors they don't often consider that might be having an impact on their pain. So today we're going to discuss a few of these commonly overlooked factors that you might be able to change today, hopefully having a positive impact on your pain. Now, this podcast episode fits very nicely alongside Greg Lehman's brilliant article titled, Do Our Patients Need Fixing or Do They Just Need a Bigger Cup? I'll link that in the show notes below. In this, he explains that our pain and injury occur when all of the stresses and loads in our lives exceed the space in our metaphorical cup. When this cup overflows, we can experience an episode of pain. And the article goes on to talk about how we need to increase the size of our cup and decrease the stresses that are in it. Now, we've spoken lots before about how to build a bigger cup, i.e. we need to be more resilient, adaptable, stronger, and even anti-fragile. But what are some of the stresses that we may have overlooked? What might be filling up our cup that we may not have considered? What are the small things that can cumulatively make a difference? The, The marginal gains, if I steal a very apropos phrase. So firstly, sleep. We have discussed sleep on here before and having a really good quality night's sleep is vital in recovery from any injury, not just back pain. A lack of sleep can have a negative influence on your pain. The quality of your sleep influences your body's ability to repair. So poor sleep equals poor repair. So what are some of the top tips to help improve your quality of sleep? Well, firstly, I always advocate for making your bedroom only for sleep. No eating, watching TV, no social media, no screens. Make it a sanctuary where you only rest. And then try and get rid of those screens half an hour or an hour before bed. The National Sleep Foundation recommends no screen time at least 30 minutes before you retire. The reason being that artificial light from screens can suppress the hormone melatonin, which is the hormone responsible for controlling your sleep-wake cycle. So messing around with that means messing around with your sleep-wake cycle. And then also reducing the temperature and making it dark. We sleep far better in colder, darker rooms. So make sure it's not too hot. Turn down those radiators. Anyone who's you know tried to sleep through the summer without air conditioning knows how miserable it can be, tossing and turning all night. And then get some blackout curtains. Even the smallest amount of artificial light can have a, can have a negative imp- impact on your sleep. Now, the second thing is stress. And this is probably the biggest one that's overlooked and the one which often when I discussed with patients, they hadn't considered at all until I mentioned it. It's incredibly common for our patients to experience pain around a time of extreme stress, job stress, work stress, whatever it might be. The classic I often see is a house move, which everyone knows is stressful no matter how smooth it seems to go. So excess stress combined with other aspects of moving house, which is usually lots of bending, lifting, crawling around in the loft in weird positions, is often a trigger that causes the cup to overflow, i.e. we exceed our capacity and may experience an episode of pain. When in fact, if you had removed the house move stress, all the bending and lifting might have been totally fine and not exceeded your capacity whatsoever. The other big stressor that can make your pain worse is worry or stressing about your pain or your injury. Often this is a worry, often this worry is about an injury. Often if this worry about an injury is relieved, it's common for your pain levels to disappear. 
As an example, I had a patient a while ago who was quite terrified she had something seriously wrong with her back. She had a family member who very sadly passed away due to cancer, and although her symptoms were very, very different, the first thing she said to me was, I'm worried I have cancer when she walked into the treatment room. And I could tell that no matter how much I explained how unlikely this was, it wasn't enough to abate her fears. And in the end, I did end up referring this lady for a scan, which didn't show anything unexpected. And the relief she got from just hearing that was quite remarkable, enough to significantly reduce her pain, not get rid of it, but significantly reduce it. And she was also not sleeping because of it, not eating very well because of it as well. So all of those things also added up as well to helping to reduce her pain. Now, I'm not at all saying who, that everyone who is worried about having some serious injury needs a scan or I send everyone who asks me for a scan off for a scan, I'm not at all. But on rare occasions, and I can think of two or three episodes in the last nearly 10 years where this has happened, I can feel that the benefits of what I call a reassurogram can certainly outweigh the risks. And in this lady's case, it often was. But I could take control of that situation. Often the danger of scans is in poor reporting and poor communication of the results. I knew that I was going to be the one explaining the results to this patient. So I could take charge of the situation for her. Now, there are many ways to reduce stress. Now, we like techniques such as meditation. There are some fantastic apps out there like Headspace or Calm, which give you three, five, ten, or even longer kind of workshops where you can sit there, put some headphones in, and just do some breathing and take your mind off the pain if you can for a while. There's also things like yoga, getting rid of social media for a couple of days, which is another stress that we could probably dedicate an entire episode to. Reading a book, watching a favorite TV show, just going outside for a walk or being in nature. I think the the in phrase at the moment is a forest bath. Well, if that's something different, please uh, please let me know. But getting outside in nature is always a good good uh, a good stress reliever. And these are all things that you can do for yourself. The other thing which you might be able to try is visiting, visiting another practitioner or a clinician who, like I said in the above example, might help to reduce your fears and explain to you that nothing is seriously wrong and this is very normal back pain or the fact that it will get better. It doesn't mean it's going to be there for a long time. It'll give you a plan to get back on track. Again, that's enough just to help to reduce your fears. And often when we have these conversations with patients, you can see visibly them exhale and go, oh, okay, that's fine. I was worried this was going to be there for life or my grandmother had back pain her whole life. So I was worried that this was starting with me now. So there's lots of things which you can try there. Now, the last thing I wanted to discuss was the fear of movement or what we call fear avoidance. And this kind of goes hand in hand with worry. Often when a movement is painful, we avoid it. That's totally normal. It hurts, so we stop doing it. However, when we avoid a movement for long enough, we get pretty bad at doing that movement. Take bending down to pick something up. A very common reason that we'll see patients for who have said, I bent down to pick something up and my back went. Whilst avoiding that movement for a short time isn't a bad idea to help the pain settle, often we see people who have been avoiding bending and lifting for a whole time because they feel it was the bending and lifting that's the cause of their back pain. There's been a myth perpetuated by the media and various other sources that bending is necessarily bad for your back. And then we get to the situation where people are so rigid and so stiff, just the thought of doing a, a particular movement is enough to trigger the pain themselves. Now, typically grading that movement back in is vital to start recovery. And many times, once you get a patient to do it, it doesn't trigger the pain anywhere near as much as you might expect. And then when I give patients permission to try this or to do it, you can see the relief sometimes. It's a bit like I said before, you can see them go, oh, that's, that's fine to do. Brilliant. You know, if I hurt myself bending forwards, I might get a patient to sit slouched or kind of slumped down or round their back. And as a caveat, I give everyone listening to 
I give everyone now listening permission to slouch, bend down, touch your toes, move. Spines are meant to bend and lift and twist. But that rounding of your back that happens when you slouch is very similar to the rounding of your back that happens when you bend over and touch your toes. You know, the mechanics happening in the spine are quite similar. There might be a little bit less load, but it's a very similar movement. And often, so you could do that. So if someone's quite fearful of bending forward to touch their toes, you might get them to slouch 10 to 15 times and see what happens. And they go, actually, that didn't really hurt. You know, and once you've explained that actually a very similar movement's happening to the spine compared to when you are, compared to when you're standing up, that's often enough for them to try a movement. They didn't necessarily want to try it before. Now that rounding of the back, as we said, might be something that a person in pain has avoided for a long time as they're worried it's going to cause more pain. And when in fact worrying about a movement or worrying about a posture or a position and avoiding it and holding yourself all rigid and stiff is actually far more likely to make the pain worse than actually doing the movement. So how can you incorporate this at home? A bit like I said, firstly, move, slouch, change positions, attempt a few different movements that you think might be a trigger for your pain. What happens when you do it? Once when you do it multiple times, does it make the pace, the pain stay the same? Does it get worse? Does it get better? Can you break down that move into, into different components? A bit like I said, you know, if bending forward sore, can you lie on your back and pull your knees up towards your chest? Can you do a seated slump or slouch type position? Again, similar movements are happening in the spine, that, but then might not be quite as aggravational. So breaking down those movements into, into, into different steps and trying them. Sometimes just knowing that it's not the fault of bending forward is enough for you to attempt that movement. We know, and hopefully you all know, because we've harped on about this enough, that pain is multifactorial. Pain doesn't come on because of one specific movement or one specific issue. There are so many factors that lead up to an episode of pain. So those are our top three things that you might not have considered that can have an impact on your pain and a few takeaways that you can try today to help to reduce your pain. So how else can you make a bigger cup? Well, stay tuned for the next episode. We will delve even deeper into how you can make yourself more resilient more anti-fragile, more robust, and even stronger. So that's it from me. I've been Rob Bevan. We have been the Back Pain Podcast. Sorry, David Elliott couldn't join us today, but we will catch you on the next episode. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give it a share on social media. Tag us on Instagram or Twitter at the Back Pain Podcast on all platforms. Or if you've got a question you'd like us to answer, reach out on hello at the Back Pain Podcast, and we will do our very best to answer it. We might even dedicate an entire show to it if it's something that we can delve deep into. And lastly, if you are someone in pain who is looking for someone to help you, head on over to thebackpainpodcast.com where we have our very own provider map, which is chock-a-block of the very best MSK professionals in the country who are ready to help you with your back pain. They're tried and tested by us to ensure that you get the very best, most evidence-based care possible. But that's it from me. I'll leave you to have a good rest of your day and I'll catch you on the next episode. Over and out.